Thanks for everyone over 30. Uh, we call this series OG because that's kind of short for all good, which is a phrase that people younger than me use when they want to, when they want to say everything's just right, you know, think things are cool or, or um, in my day, wicked, you know. Uh, and we talked about that. So the reason, we, and we call it OG too because OG, you know, G is for God, and you can, do, you can do it that way, if you like, as well. So we've had, we've had uh, two installments so far. We've had I'm all G, that is peace with God. What it, what it means for me to just be at peace with God. I'm all good. Um, God and I are all good. And then we've had your all G, that was last week. Leanne brought us inclusion. I wasn't here. I was at the Church of Christ. It was great to be up there. Um, uh, I love those guys. They love us too. It was just a really, it was a nice space um, to be in with them. Because Kevin and I had done a pulpit swap um, that way. Um, anyway, uh, while I was there, Leanne was here. We did inclusion. I listened to that on podcast. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should. It's helpful. That is, we, we include others because of who we are. Because we're included and God has embraced us just fully. And then so we are quick to include others comprehensively. That's your all G. You can be with me. And today we're doing we're all G. You and I, we're all G. So let me ask you this. Are you angry with anyone right now? Are you mad at someone? Do you blame anyone for something? You look at someone and think, yeah, that was their, that was their fault. When you, you know when you think, oh, I don't, it's hard for me to be nice to you because of what you said or... Don't be thinking after what you did that everything's all G with us. After what you did, we're not all G. Or can you think of anyone in your life right now that you're not all G with? Um, Because of what they did or said. And you might smile and chat, shake their hand, but inside you know we, we are not. We're not all G. They might not even know it, but you do because you can feel that knot inside you. Well, here's the good news. If you recognize any of those feelings inside you this morning, you're one step closer to experiencing God today. That's me! That's me! That's me! <laughs> Matt, yes. I'm in the middle of my sermon. I know, yes, I know. But it's a holiday service and you forgot about Spotlight. I forgot. I thought you... And I heard what you said and I got totally excited about it. You can't just interrupt the sermon every time you get excited. What if everyone who was excited just interrupted the sermon like that? Uh, well, uh, I was look. <laughs> well, uh, I was looking around at the start of your sermon, Dad, and I, I don't think there was a huge risk of everyone being excited. <laughs> And I didn't want the kids to miss how exciting this is. We can experience God today, right now. Yes! Okay, Matt. Thanks for that. All you've got to do is think about all the people that you're angry at. Like, what sort of things could make somebody angry? Maybe someone interrupting. No! Kids! What could make a kid angry? What made you angry when you were a kid? What? I know it was a long time ago. You might not remember. What made you angry? When I was a kid. Yeah, help me out here. I'm trying to identify with the kids. Like, when did you get hurt or upset? Did, did your horse and cart break down? Did, did, you, did your pet dinosaur die? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. 
look, uh, uh, when I was a kid, I remember once getting really upset when my brother broke my toys. Yes, kids, when people break our stuff or take our stuff. <laughs> what else made you angry as a kid? Uh, well, once I got in trouble for, in fact, more than once I got in trouble at school for something that I didn't do, something that wasn't my fault. Yes, unfair punishment. Who here has ever been punished unfairly for something they didn't do? <sighs> what else? Uh, well, I got upset and angry when I got bullied. Oh, bullies. <sighs> what else? When did you get really hurt, really angry? Oh, uh, as a kid, yeah. I got really hurt. Uh, when, when my parents separated. Oh, some things are just more than you aren't they? Yeah, yes they are. So, if we have the chance to experience God in our hurt and anger, does that mean that the bigger the hurt and anger, uh, the more we can experience God? Yes. Yes, it does. I told you this was exciting. <laughs> so how do we go from grr to yay? From grr to yay. Yes, we know what the grr is. I'm angry with you, grr. You hurt me, grr. You took something from me, grr. You broke something of mine, grr. You hurt my friend, grr. I've helped, I've helped you with the grr. Now it's over to you to explain the yay, okay? <laughs> okay, Matt. Kids, this can change your life. Please listen with all of your heart. And Dad, this time, please try and stay interesting. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Who's enjoyed having Spotlight through the uh, holiday series? Yeah. We'll try and do that through holidays. We want to make this as engaging as possible. Um, I've got about 10 minutes to finish this sermon off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that lady again. Yeah. Okay. So we know what the grr is. We know what the, we know what the, ah, oh, I'm, not, I'm not okay with you because of what you did. We know what that is. So what is the A? The A is this. The A is God's forgiveness. God's forgiveness. God's total, total, total forgiveness. So we forgive partially um, in our human understanding. And even empowered by the Spirit of God and moved that way, we still have this tendency to hang on to things that we have forgiven people from. So, you know, you forgive, but you park it. Um, and you go, we're, we're all good, but I'll, I remember it happens again and it doesn't take, you know, the threshold gets a little bit um, lower and then you park it again. There's just some resentment bricks that you kind of are building in your life that way. We do that, we have a reference file. So we might put it away for now, but we can pull it out quick as a flash if it comes up again, no problem. But let's have a look at God's forgiveness. Isaiah 1. God says, come, let's reason reason together. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. In Isaiah 43, God says, I will not remember your sins. I will not remember your sins. 
In Micah 6, God says, I will throw your sins into the depths of the sea. In Acts 3, Peter tells the crowd to repent so that their sins can be wiped away or blotted out. It depends on the, the sense there is gone. In Romans 8, we're told there's no condemnation for those in Christ. No disqualification. No shame file. And when Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, he was actually speaking to Pharisees, to religious people. So he, he was talking to the older brother, if you like, in that story. But in the midst of that story, he tells this story of a son who's gone away and, and, and he has been disinherited. Well, he's chosen that path himself. Now, he's in, a, he's in an honor-shame culture. That is, we, we don't live in that kind of culture, but where, where your uh, inclusion in the family is a matter of, you know, you're honored to be in that family and you uphold the family honor that way. And if you break that, then there is shame on that family and they, they disinherit you, they disown you in order to protect not just you know, their own feelings, but their family's honour and their, and their family's standing in the community. So it's not just about them, it's about them and their neighbours and their brothers and their, and their broader community that way. So the people Jesus is talking to would understand this. And so when this son just says, I want all the money and I'm going to go, and then he wastes all of that money on wild living and stuff, and then he comes um, crawling back and the father is waiting for him and he runs to him like with arms open, like men don't run. That's not what happens. And he runs to him. He's not just saying, you can be welcome back here. He's not just saying, you can live with us if you like. He's not just saying, I will forgive you for the things that you've done wrong. He's not just saying, you've got a place around our table anymore. He's saying, I will take on all of your shame. I will absorb all of the shame that you have, that you have brought on us. I will wear that. You don't have to wear that anymore. You are fully included back in this place and I will take all that on me. That's what the Father is doing and that's what God does. There is no shame. There's no weight of what I've done. The weight of what I've done is gone. That's how God forgives. There's no reference file. I will not remember. In Colossians 2, Paul says, God took the record of charges against us and he cancelled it. You know that feeling where you go, oh, something terrible is going to happen, something terrible is going to happen, something terrible is going to happen, and then all of a sudden, oh, it's fixed. Then when you've got a health scare, then you find out, actually, I'm all right. Oh, this is even bigger. God took the record of all the charges against us. All of them, and he just went, gone. He nailed it to the cross. Jesus, he he took it. It's gone. We are forgiven. Totally, totally forgiven. So we might say, oh, you know that person... They, they, they did that again. And everyone goes, oh, I know what you mean. You know? Heaven doesn't do that. Someone says to God, that person, they did that again. He's like, did what again? <laughs> it's stunning forgiveness. 
Now, it's not that God doesn't know. It's that he chooses not to remember. So when I come to God and I say for the 50 billionth time, I'm exaggerating there, maybe not, uh, I have done this sin. There's a sense in which God says, what sin? We need to understand this about God's forgiveness. It is total. It is total. It's not that sin is easily forgivable, by the way, either. Sin is bad. Rebellion against God is bad. And deserving of death, the Bible affirms that over and over and over again. And we need, we, these are things that we need to understand about our life. One is the holiness of God, how perfect and holy and pure and, and just magnificent God is. Just how, how far away from us his purity is, his holiness is. We, we need to understand that if we would be in his presence in our state now, we would die, the Bible says. We would just die. So the holiness of God, let's just get a bigger appreciation for how holy God is and let's get a bigger appreciation of how bad sin is, how, how terrible it is to rebel against God and how filthy and disgusting our own hearts are in that place. And then let's understand the magnitude, the magnitude of God's grace, that Jesus wore all of that punishment and we are forgiven. We are just forgiven. Let's have a look at a parable Jesus um, told Peter, actually, in uh, Luke chapter 12. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Uh, seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Uh, and don't start counting that. That just means a, name, a, a number without end. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his family, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, Please be patient with me, and I'll pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down and begged him for a little more. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison till till the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king And told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And that is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Um, 
Forgiveness isn't just what we do. It's who we are. If, if I'm struggling to forgive, it's an obedience problem because God says you have to. If I'm struggling to forgive, it's not so much that I'm struggling with obedience as that I have an identity crisis. That is, I am totally forgiven. I forgive totally. Um, we did a, uh, one of those uh, events where people come out and they hold cards up and it has the before and the after. You know, we say, uh, I was broken and I'm healed, that kind of thing. And one of the cards I saw in one of those things was struggling to forgive, forgiven. And I think that, that's the story of forgiveness. When we know ourselves forgiven, we don't struggle to forgive. We don't have to try hard to forgive that person. We just have to look up and go, God, who am I? Where do I, where do I get what I need? What is my life? Is it, is it here? Do I have to find satisfaction this way? Or, or am I found in you? Am I hanging on to who I used to be? Or am I hanging on to you, God? I think some of where this comes from, you know, where we, where we say, yes, I'm a child of God, I'm forgiven, but, I, but I, ooh, I will not let you get away with what you did. I will hold in my heart what you did. I think where some of that comes from is we don't, you know, when you think, oh, I haven't done anything that bad in my life. So we have this kind of sense that we're not, as, we're not, we're not millions of dollars in debt like this guy was in the, in the story. I think we must think that for us to be able to hold something against somebody else. We must think that we're still justified somehow to be able to do that. We must think that we've still got the right somehow to do that. We mustn't have got an understanding of the depth of holiness and, and sin and grace to be able to do that. It almost doesn't make sense that we would know ourselves totally forgiven but we wouldn't be able to forgive totally. Uh, and yet we all do, so <laughs> it's a puzzle, isn't it? And here's the other thing that's doing my head in here. This is really strong from Jesus. This is how I'm going to treat you if you don't forgive. In other places in the Bible, Jesus says, if you don't forgive other people their sins, I'm not going to forgive yours. Well, what's that about? Like, Do we have to earn our salvation now? Is this is what is going on here? No, it's not. This is faith and works. This is, this is, and also in John 6 where Jesus says, the only work that, you, that I require from you is this, to believe in the one I've sent. Here's the only work you have to believe. You, just have, you have to believe. So how does this all kind of work out? Well, like this. Jesus says, you are totally forgiven. When I understand that and I believe that, then I forgive. If I can't forgive, it's because I don't believe. Jesus says, you are totally included. You are included. You are in my family. And if you will not include 
totally. If you will not draw in people around you like that, if you will not welcome them into your life, into your core, into who you are, if you will not do that, then your problem is that you don't believe. Because when you know yourself in Christ, then you are an includer. And when you know yourself in Christ, you are a forgiver. And it doesn't matter what the person out there is doing or has done because it doesn't come that way. It all goes this way. From God to me to you when I'm in Christ. So do you have an identity crisis on this one? Um, Andy Stanley, in his book, Enemies of the Heart, we've talked about this before, he, he has a very practical way for us to address the issue of forgiveness. And I, it's around this cancelling debts idea. And I, I found this very helpful for myself because these things sneak up on us. We, we have codes for it. Oh, I've forgiven. I just, you know, I just, I, you know, I haven't forgotten. Or, oh, it's just difficult with the past hurts that I feel. You know, those kind, that kind of language that we use that way. Um, yeah. Anyway, so what I do is I write down all the people who I have any kind of potential for resentment against. These are people who have, this is a pain that I've incurred. I just write them down and I write down what they did, what they took from me. You know, they took my, my reputation, they, they slandered me, they, they um, you know, they, they took away something that I loved, they ruined something that I, that I uh, wanted, they hurt my friend, you know, just write them all down. This is what they did that way. And then you get your big red texter and you go, cancelled, cancelled. Cancelled, 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 cancelled. Gone. And then you look at everyone in the world, in the world, and you say, where OG? Now, it doesn't bring reconciliation because you're only half of the story, right? In that space. And so there's some very real things where someone needs to come to you and say, I wronged you and I'm sorry, that's confession, that's another issue. But as far as your heart goes, you are extending forgiveness to everyone, totally. There is no record of wrong against that person in my heart. So I encourage you to do that, write a list, and then just cancel it. And every time you feel like kind of about that person again, just cancel it. Be a total forgiver. Because it's who we are in Christ and that's what he's called our hearts to be. Um, you probably heard this quote too. Um, Unforgiveness is the poison I drink hoping somebody else will die. <laughs> and just this point too, because I hear this a bit, but they, but they cannot get away with it. I'll go, you did. <laughs> you know? But they can't get away with it. Somebody has to pay. Somebody did. He paid at the same time as he paid for you. And that's the point. There's only one source of forgiveness, and that's God. And how beautiful it is to be in Christ. Do you know some of the best relationships I have? are with people that I have had to totally forgive for a horrible thing or the people who have totally forgiven me for a horrible thing. 
There's something about that space in a relationship where you go, God, wow. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help us. Where we're struggling to forgive. God, help us to see you like that father running with open arms just to bring not condemnation but just grace to us and mercy to us. Help us hear your call to look up and to see ourselves in you again, to understand ourselves as forgiven. Help us to release the the horizontal hold that we have on people and just hang on to you with both hands, God. And bring that kind of joy to our relationships here where we are forgivers totally because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand with us and let's celebrate and give thanks and praise to God who is our total forgiver.